0: So Ankit, you originally just started in in the field of optometry and ophthalmology, and then it kind of shifted into this staffing need. So can you tell us the story on that?
1: Yeah, we, we, we actually still have our brick and mortar stores, but my wife is actually an optometrist, and that's how I got into the business. We, we, have, we have a couple of locations in the Atlanta, Georgia area, and right before COVID, we started noticing that we wanted to try to centralize our call on our phones. And when COVID hit, we realized, okay, staffing might be a challenge. So we started looking at getting help from people in the Philippines. And so, we started taking our phones and back office processes and hiring people to do that for us there. And that started about three, four years ago now. And since then we've been expanding and growing and we gotten good at it to the point where we're actually starting to do it for other practices now.
0: And is that business scaling really fast as compared to the old business?
1: It is, yeah. It, it, it scaled really fast because it's it's a it's demand. It's in it's a service that's definitely in high demand.
0: So, how are you staffing the staffing business?
1: So, so there's there's a, it's actually a pretty robust, comprehensive plan that we use. So, we take a look at all the sources that we have, everything from recruiters, job posting sites, referral program. Then we have a, a whole process around psychological testing, IQ testing, English testing, background checks, and then they have to pass our behavior-based interview questions, and then we onboard them and we train them. So it's, it's, it's quite a bit. Now it's nice because, well, I guess nice for, for us in a way that s- staffing is a little bit, uh, there's more people available in other parts of the world than there are here in the U.S., especially talented, skilled people. At, like we get folks with college degrees all the time wanting to come work for us because of the, what we offer. And most optometrists and ophthalmology offices, majority of their staff is not usually business educated or They've been more in just a a career technical job versus having an extra level of education or certification.
0: So are these, this staff you're bringing in, are they specialized? Are you basically providing specialized training so they can be geared towards the optometry field?
1: We're, we're providing the specialized training. So we have a whole methodology of bringing it up to speed within 30, 60, 90 days. And then on top of that, ongoing training and certification. So they can become experts in the optical field if they've been with us for six months to two years.
0: Oh, very interesting. So along your career life, would you say there's a pivotal moment looking back?
1: Yeah, I'd say it's shifting away from working alone to understanding that I don't have to do everything in myself. Specifically when it came to, prior to the optometry practices, it was just me and I had my own consulting practice and it was doing okay. You paid the bills and it's, but it was only, I can only take it so far just being one person. And so I think getting over the fact that, oh, you know what? It's not quote unquote, only my business. When I, when I go to the optometry field, it's my wife and I getting help from people in partnerships. That was really a key turning point for me to realize how much further
0: I could go when I had help. So was that the shift when you started working with your wife?
1: I'd say that was definitely the start of it. It was more of a, it was more like turning a cruise ship, so it took a little longer. It wasn't like a speedboat, but yeah.
0: So do you see a lot of companies now where they're going to go with this virtual staffing setup? Yeah, they they call me and they're like, yeah, when can
1: we get started? Mainly because it's it's it is a technical field. There are some nuances. There are healthcare things that we have to also look out for that we train our staff for, so we know what to ask for when when someone calls and they say something the person calling doesn't necessarily know it could be a really serious issue. And so um, it's hard sometimes to find people that can do all that, even in local localities here in the US. So we're able to kind of just plug and play right into their existing
0: system and be a part of their team. So along your path of building businesses, is there some stories of struggles you had to overcome and sometimes when you didn't know what you were going to do next?
1: Oh yeah. Lots of times. So my first business out of college, I had a franchise store, Liberty Tax Service, and I was in a military town. This was like early 2000s. And first year was fantastic. The military was in town. Gangbusters, I expanded, opened up to two more locations. So I had three locations. And next year, military was not in town. So didn't have the revenue, didn't have the wherewithal to stay. So we ended up closing up shop on a couple locations locations and basically selling off that business. So understanding how to do projections, financials, was that was a big wake-up call for that.
0: So after that business, what did you jump to next? So I maintained my day job for
1: a while. I actually did a company called My Computer Buddies. And at the time, it was doing basic tech support and really teaching people who didn't know computers how to use them. So typically, people who were a little older at the time, 55-plus community. So I'd go and just teach them how to, how to do things on their computers. And cell phones really weren't as popular at this time. So this was pre-iPhone era. So I was able to do that, which which was a lot of fun. From that point, I had that business for a while, and then I left my corporate job and started my consulting business, doing lean Six Sigma consulting for companies anywhere, usually around five million to sixty million was the sweet spot. And so that was that was something I did for a while until I started working with my wife in the optometry business.
0: And you found this was more lucrative.
1: Yeah, and more it's more of a business. It, the other business was really trading time for money i was trading my services for for time so it was kind of a job in a different way this is this is a this is a real business cuz it can run without me being there day in and day out
0: is that how you designed it from day one
1: yeah my wife and i had a conversation and she said i wanted it to be more of a passive and i wanted to support our lifestyle so in a sense, it's still kind of a lifestyle business in that way. So we designed everything around that. So her minimizing her hours in the office, as well as making sure we, we also had, we were starting to have children at the time. So making sure one of us was available for the kids at all times. And so, yeah, it, it was designed that way.
0: What would your advice be to somebody who wanted to design a business in that way? So I think this is a
1: little cliche, but starting from the end in mind, but validating, is that even possible? so i think that's the biggest thing one of the things we looked at was we we said okay she wants to do exams a certain amount of time she only wants works about a certain amount of days so we backfilled it into what type of practice we would need to have we realized that okay we could we could structure the practice correct but we'd have to have multiple locations to do that and so when we look for new locations we're very particular on what we brought on board as well and how we brought them on board and so we're very going back to what we're trying to create in the end versus just growing for the growth sake.
0: So in doing that, is in having a multiple location model, what, wouldn't there be more overhead and, and things like that where you would have to work more hours? Yes. And you get
1: economies of scale. So ideally, it would have been best if we had one location and scaled it. The problem was the one location we had was, was 1,100 square feet. So we, there was only so much you could grow. And the amount of revenue we projected we would need, we, we'd had to have at least a second location.
0: Okay. So she was able to reduce her hours, but by still taking on multiple locations.
1: Yes. And for her, she didn't really have to go to the other locations. I, I manage those locations and take
0: care of those for her. Okay. So you had other professionals in there kind of running the exams and things like that.
1: Correct. We have multiple doctors. We have other managers. We have, we have a whole team that sort of manages the locations. And now she just comes in as more just a doctor day in and day out doctor versus having to worry about the management, worry about all the details of the business.
0: So where do you see the staffing business going or where do you want it to go over the next few years?
1: So our goal within the next two years is to get it to 150 direct labor heads. So we're about 30 now, right now. So we're staffing 30 people over in the offshore in the Philippines, and we're looking to get it to the 150 mark over the next year and a half from now.
0: Very cool. So if our listeners wanted to reach out to you or for your services or to learn more, how could they do so?
1: Yep. My email address is onkit at mybcat.com, or you can go to mybcat.com and hit contact us. And it's short for my business care team. So be happy to reach out and help anyone that's interested.
0: Well, thank you, Onkit, for being on the show. And thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of Failing to Success. I'm your host, Chad Kalecki with Cosmic Design Development. Make sure to like, comment, subscribe, and we'll see you next time.